0: This morning, our gospel lesson is going to come from Matthew's gospel one last time as we continue, or finish rather, our series on the Lord's Prayer. We're reading today from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week, as I was reading this passage, this is, this is one of the passages that um, I've had a lot of you say, Ooh, I, Andy, I can't wait till you get to. Uh Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, this seems to be the, 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 the phrase in the Lord's Prayer that a lot of us have really been kind of thinking a lot about or, or looking at a lot about because it can be a little little confusing and kind of, we, we, we kind of struggle with how this fits into Scripture because it says here today, it says, God, do not lead me into temptation. But yet the Bible's clear in James that when we're led into temptation, we're not led by God. God tempts no one. We're tempted by our own flesh and by evil. So, how then? Can God lead us under the temptation? Well, we'll we'll get there in a second. Just stay with me. Uh, but I was reading this passage. It got me thinking about something my mom, ma- a story my mama told me. As you know, my first appointment was in the Mississippi Delta. I, I went there uh, young, y- you know, young, really young, my early 20s. You know, I think back about the sweet people I served there. They were all older and had been, had lived, eon- had eons of life experience beyond what I would lived through. And they must have thought I was just the most naive, dumbest little thing to ever come out of South Mississippi. Because what in the world did I have to tell them of any value? (laughs) They had lived so much life, had so many experiences with God. What could this young kid out of South Mississippi possibly have to tell us? They were so kind and they loved me so much. But I didn't know anybody in the Delta when I first moved there. Did not know a soul. Now I'm thankful now to have a a lot of friends up there. But I didn't know anybody when I went went up there. Wasn't married. Me and Holly weren't even dating at that point. And um, so my parents moved me up there. The church had a little, um, little duplex. They were in for me part of it, Part of it, Part of a duplex. That it was where I, I lived. And uh, I didn't have a whole lot. Had a bed. Had a table. Had some books. Had a computer. And that was about it. Didn't have much at all. And um, and my mama told me the story later how they took me up there, unpacked everything, and dropped me off. And uh, she says, I cried all the way back home, saying I left my baby in the Delta. That was a different world for me and a different place for me, a place that's now very special to me. Back then, it was a very different place. And I think about now as a parent how difficult that would be uh, to take your child, even though I was an adult, I was 22 years old, but we all know our babies are always our babies. And to drop them off in in a place where they didn't know a soul. And I didn't know anybody. I think about how, how challenging that is for our parents when our kids go off to college, if they don't know anybody there, if they if they if they if they are kind of going off in the world, or maybe they get that first uh, first job, where they move off to a new town or to a new place. We think about we think about that that fear of the one that we love being alone. I, I th- my dogs. They're not mature, to them, but sometimes they act like it. They have this weird thing that goes on in their heads. and I would love to understand it, but I say it reminds me they're dogs. They don't really have critical thinking skills. When it thunders at night, they go outside and bark at it. And I always wonder, okay, guys, what, what is your plan? Are you going to bark at the thunder to make it go away? Like, what is your plan with this thunder? So they'll go outside and bark. And when that doesn't fix it, then they come inside. And typically, they'll get up real close to us. One of them will, if we're in bed, they'll particularly rock at the smaller one. He'll snuggle in between us, stitch the, the bigger one. He'll kind of get on the couch and go to his comfort spot And amongst all of us. They're afraid. They're afraid at that moment, just like my mom was afraid. Mom was afraid that she'd left her child in a place that she didn't know, and that he didn't know, and he was all alone. My dogs are afraid because they don't understand thunder. And they want to be up next to us. So I think, honestly, if you look at both points there, both illustrations, you know what I think the overriding emotion beyond fear is? It's that fear of being alone. Mom was leaving me alone the Delta, not knowing anybody. My dogs were afraid of the thunder, and they didn't want to be alone. It's that fear of being alone that's the driver of what's happening in these moments. Today's passage is one that we've heard a lot, that we've prayed a lot, and that we've thought a lot about. Lead us not into temptation. Here's what I want you to understand about that first part. Lead us not into to temptation. The word temptation there can be seen as really more of a, yes, t- temptation, without a doubt, but also it can also be understood in this passage as a time of trial, a time of testing, a time of struggle. And I did a lot of reading on this because I think the thing that many of us struggle with in this is the, the concept of, God, don't lead me into a time of, 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 do not lead me into temptation. Once again, the Bible's very clear. God does not tempt us. So when Jesus is praying, do not lead us into temptation, that, that's more of a rhetorical way of asking for God's protection. Because there's this baseline of assumption for Jesus and a baseline of assumption for the writers of Scripture and a baseline of assumption for us as Christians that God is not going to lead us into temptation. We know that to be true. So when you're asking God not to lead us into temptation, you know he's not going to do that. What you're asking for is God's protection in the midst of temptation. God's protection really in the midst of trial. This passage has as much to do with trial and and with testing as it does with actual temptation lead us not into temptation or maybe understood this way be with me in the coming trial be with me in the coming struggle be with me in the coming testing that's what the prayer is really, this part of the prayer is really about. God, do not leave me alone when the trials come. God, do not leave me alone when the testing comes. But be with me, be with me even when challenges come. Because here's the thing we see from Jesus. We see from Jesus that Jesus, I love how Hebrews says this, Jesus has been tempted as we are, but, has, 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 ha, but we have not gone so far as to shed our blood the way that Jesus shed his. We see overarching, and this I think this is important for us to understand, for trials and temptations. We see in Scripture, Jesus faced both. We see that Jesus was led by the Spirit after the baptism into the wilderness for a time of fasting and prayer. And then he faced trials or temptations. The devil appears, as we talked about last week. Take this, take this bread and turn it into, take the stone turn it into bread. He faced temptations or trials that were physical, that were, that were emotional, that were about devotion to Jesus when you look at the temptations. But that wasn't the end, of Jesus temptin- the end of Jesus' temptations or testings. You look across all the Scripture. You have some that we can assume because Scripture doesn't say this, but I think it's a safe assumption to feel like Jesus faced a lot of trial in his ministry, didn't he? Because look at his ministry. Nobody liked him. At least none of the religious leaders. The common folk liked him. But the Pharisees didn't much like him. The Sadducees didn't much like him. The king didn't much like him. I don't think Rome was too fond of him. So can you imagine living your life? Can you imagine doing what you feel like God's called you to do or doing what God has sent you to do and facing rejection from the religious leaders? Facing rejection from the people who are the guardians of the faith for your people? It's got to sting a little bit, doesn't it? It's got to sting a little bit. We see before the cross, Jesus goes to the garden and prays. He prays, take this cup from me. Not your will, not my will, but yours, though. Jesus faced Temptations, face trials, face struggles. Friends, and if we see that Jesus faced these things, if we see that Jesus dealt with these things, what makes us think that we will not? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Don't let me be alone, God. When the trial comes, when the struggle comes, don't let me be alone. Okay, here's the thing, though, y'all. This is where I think prayer is useful. Is God going to leave you alone in trial and testing? Is God going to leave you you alone in times of trouble? Let's think about what the Scripture says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we won't be alone. He's with us. Psalm 139. Even if I make my bed in hell, still there you will find me. Romans 8, what can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? So the reality is we're not going to be alone. Much like my dogs are not alone when the thunder comes, we're right there the entire time. When the trials come, when the testing comes, when the temptation comes, we're praying for God, don't let me be alone. Well, the reality is we're not alone. Because God does not leave us in our trials. God does not leave us in our testing. God does not leave us in our struggles. As Scripture says, God will make a way out of them even. So really, we're praying for God to not leave us alone. What our hearts need to understand, though, is that we need to be, we almost need to be praying, God, open my eyes to your presence. This prayer is asking God Really, to allow us to understand and feel that He is with us at all times, even in our trials, even in our testings, even in our struggles, that we are not alone in any of this. But that He is with us. He does not leave and He does not forsake. We're going to face trials, and we're going to face temptations, and we're going to face testing. There's no doubt, but we're not alone in that. Then he says, deliver us. That the NRSV that I read from actually gives the appropriate translation. Deliver us from the evil one. We pray deliver us from evil. But the word for evil there is not talking about a concept as much as it's talking about an evil. One is talking about Satan, the devil. The power of evil in this world, not some mythical metaphorical concept of some great unknown evil, but but, but evil, y'all. And, and I, think, I think this passage reminds us that in the same way that there will be testing, in the same way that there will be trials, in the same way that there will be struggles and, and fears and worries and doubts, and there will be all these things, there's also going to be evil. There is real, actual evil in this world. There is there is real we will confront real actual evil in our lives evil is not a concept evil is evil is a reality and evil is an entity there is there is right and there's wrong there's good and there's bad there's good and there's evil we live in an age right now of relativistic morality where really what what's right is what I want it to be, and that gets us in trouble because you go back and look at the book of Judges; everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And if the devil can get us to believe that there aren't things that are true, that there aren't things that are good, that that if there aren't things that are right, and there are things that are wrong, then we're just going to be dancing on our own graves because we're gonna we're gonna be so we're gonna be the dog chasing our tail not truly living out what God wants us to, to do. C.S. Lewis says, there's two equal and opposite errors that our race makes for the devils. One is to disbelieve in them completely and one is to become overly infatuated with them. He said, he, the devil's pleased with either choice. There's evil in the world and we don't need to deny that. Anything that takes anything that calls us to erase the, the image of God upon a person and pretend like their life doesn't matter it's not of God. As I told you before we have to, we have to truly live with a culture of life valuing all life. The unborn as well as the life here on the earth, as well as the life that is born. So as Christians, we should be working in all facets to live out the value of life. And anything that that would dare make me think that an individual is not made in God's image and to disregard them, it's not what God wants. It's just not. Our culture wants us to do that, but that's not what God wants us to do. Because the Bible doesn't really give us much of an out in terms of who we love. We kind of got to love everybody, even the folks we don't like. Because Jesus loves them and Jesus wants to know them. Anything that pulls us from God's Word, anything that pulls us from our walk with Him. Now Jesus says in the, one of the gospel readings this week that uh, if your eye calls you to sin, pluck it out. He's not telling you to literally pluck out your eye. What he is telling you, though, is take seriously the power of things that pull you from him. And if my activities are pulling me from God, then they're not worth it. They're not worth it. The devil ultimately wants us to put something other than God on the throne of our life. So we need to give the Holy Spirit power each day in our life to search us, to seek us, and to help us to understand where it is in our life that we're exalting something other than God. Because if we exalt something in our life other than God, in time we will worship that thing instead of God. And the commandments tell us to make no other, make no idols, to worship God, and God alone. There is evil out there, y'all. There is evil. Not just as a concept, but as an entity and as a power. And we need the power of God to protect us, because we will face evil. This phrase of this prayer reminds us that we will face temptation, we will face struggles, we will face trials, and we will face evil. We will. We will face evil. And we can't take it alone. We can't deal with it alone. We can't face it alone. So we need to be looking we need to be both looking for the temptation, the trials as they come, and we need to look for our God in the midst of our trials. I keep with me at all times a couple things: pocket knife because I'm a southern boy, but I keep this cross with me at all times. I, there's very rarely, very rarely a time in my life when I don't have this cross with me. Uh, this is a cross uh, and cross I got in Israel years ago in the Holy Land that. Uh, place called the Potter's Field. It's uh, right across from the, where the shepherds were watching the angels. There's a Christian, there's a Christian ministry in store there that I've always, I had not been back in a while, so I'm running low. I always buy a ton of these, and um, I give them out, and I keep this one with me. And there's a lot of times in my life when I'm not sure what to say, or I'm not sure what to do, when I don't know what the right answer is, when I'm, when I'm visiting somebody that may be near death, when I'm faced a difficult choice as a pastor, when, I, when I'm struggling with what direction to take, when I reach my hand in my pocket and I just grab hold of this. fits perfectly in my palm. And this is a reminder to me, a reminder to me, that when I face temptation and when I face trial and when I feel the assault and the attack and the struggle from the evil one that I know that I'm not alone and that I, God's not tempting me but I'm facing my own sin and my own temptations and the power of evil because it can feel alone in the darkness can it we can feel alone in the darkness we can feel alone in the struggles today's passage reminds us that we're never alone that we're never alone that God will not leave us in temptation, that God will not leave us in trials, and that God will not lead us even against evil, but that we are never alone. And I think that's the greatest fear. One of the greatest things the devil does to us is he makes us feel alone. The devil's a liar. Don't ever doubt that. The Bible says the devil is the father of all lies. And any voice that tells you that you're alone it's a voice that's not of God. You're not alone. No matter how hard the struggle may be, no matter how great the temptation may feel, no matter how evil it may look, you're not alone. I, wasn't alone. I wasn't alone in the delta. You're not alone now. Never forget that. You're not alone. God is with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your presence with us in trial and testing. We thank you for your gift of your presence with us in all of life. God, give us the courage to be reminded that we're not alone. No matter how challenging it may feel, no matter how hard it may feel, no matter how alone we may feel, we're not alone. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. We love you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.